Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. And this is a special second episode of the week where we will be talking about Michigan football mostly, breaking down the linebacker position, Jim Harbaugh's recent comments, and our thoughts on whether the season will happen at all, as well as talking a, a little bit of hoops as there's been some, some recent news as well. All that and more coming up on this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Guys, I'd ask how you're doing, but it was just a couple of days ago that we talked, so let's just skip all that and get right into yeah. it. Yeah, works for me. All right, sounds good. You know, I'm going to get right into it with the biggest, most important question before we break down these uh, position groups of Michigan football and Jim Harbaugh's comments on the season and all that. What are you guys thinking about whether there's going to be a college football season this fall? It's like the number one million dollar question right now. I mean, I've gotten it, I've been asked it like, literally like probably 25 times by different people at this point. Um, and I, I don't, I'm like everyone else. I don't really have an answer. Like I, I think knowing these schools and how much they make off the sport and how, how crucial it is for athletic department budgets. I, I want to think there's going to be the attempt to try and play, but there's just so many variables involved with this thing. I mean, you've got, I mean, you've got some States that are better off than others. I mean, I said it the other day on a, on a radio interview, the, the Big Ten, the, the, the teams in the Big Ten encompass 11 different states across the United States. Uh, to, to be able to start on time and begin practice, I, you'd have to think that, that, you know, that all these states are going to have to be healthy and clear and open for business again, and, and students will be to, you know, allowed back to campus. And at this point, it's tough to see that. I mean, New Jersey's going through a rough patch right now. Michigan's going through a rough patch right now. Chicago mm-hmm. and Illinois have been hit hard. I, I, I don't know. It's just tough to say. I, I want to say a season will happen in some capacity, whether it's truncated or it's moved back or, you know, like Ward Manuel brought up a few weeks ago, maybe they play without fans in the stands. But it just there's just so many variables with so much going on that if, if one little thing goes awry, it's going to screw everything up. And and from a from a college football NCAA perspective, if if one conference is able to play, like say the Mountain West or the Pac-12 or whatever, you, you yeah, SEC, mm-hmm. how, how do you let one conference play games but another conference, whether it's ACC or the Big Ten, not? So there's just there's just so many yeah. questions. Right? No, a lot of a lot of good points there. And yeah, I mean, with uh, f- for me, every day every day that goes by, it's looking less and less likely that a season will be played. I mean, you. Uh, even saw uh, some administrators from from schools the other day say, "I mean, if students aren't on campus, I mean, we're not going to. There's not going to be sports being played." And I'm like, "All right, well, if there's not going to be students on campus, how can you? They're not going to play the games. And right without a vaccine, what's the likelihood of students, students being campus. back on campus mm-hmm. b- uh, before before the fall or during the fall? It, it's sure. looking less and less likely." Uh, every minute. And I, I know we talked on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Andrew said, yeah, it's, uh, who would, who would ever think about college football without fans in the stands? But at this point, that's the one way maybe it could be played is because pro sports are talking right now too. There's likely, there likely will be played, but without fans in the stands, but for colleges, that's a whole different scenario. And if that, that's one way to maybe limit the spread, and if you have testing throughout the team, you're testing the team and the faculty members, coaching staff and trainers on a weekly basis, then yeah, maybe you can do that. Um, but it's, 
you can't I just don't see fans being in the stands for any sporting events in 2021. And that's what it seems like. That's what the doctors and health experts are until saying until 2021. You're saying until yes, right. yes, yeah. yeah. I, I listen. And the question I asked was a question to start this a discussion. I obviously for our listeners, I didn't expect you know Aaron nor Ryan to to come up with a, the right answer here because right. this is we're not experts in this in this field, and even those who are don't have definitive answers. Anyone who tells you otherwise is is lying to you. Um, I absolutely believe that's why. I said, will they, not could they. Could they play a season? Right. Absolutely. There are scenarios in which they could do it. Um, you know, Dr. Fauci was on, uh, did an interview about when he was asked about this. And he specifically said, you know, the pro, the NFL season and talking about the measures they could take as far as players in hotels and things like that. Yeah, I think you you could do it. But this is this is football we're talking about. And I know it's sacrilegious to say this to, in, in maybe, you know, here in um, in Ann Arbor and in many parts of the country. You know, that football is not that important, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not. And I just don't think that some of these measures they're talking about taking are pretty extreme. I'm not sure it's worth it to, to you know, to play a, a football season. Um, and I think if they did, it would when, when students aren't on campus, it's just any, you know, the farce of these them being student athletes and this being college football, if it wasn't already dead, would just would just completely. Uh, you know, go out the window with um, that's a good know, point with, too. With the yeah. season, um, you know, I, I, that's why I do view professional professional football differently. But but Aaron's point, you know, follow the money. Like if these schools feel that they can't sustain this uh, hit, then you know they will try to do everything to to, to play. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's you're, hard. you're already seeing uh, schools cut cut sports. Like mm-hmm. I, so, it's like I mean, there's going to be such a financial crisis for for universities across the nation if a college football season isn't played. So that, I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they can, that there is a football season just so some of these universities can stay afloat. Some of these student athletes can get their scholarships so they can go to school. Um, and, and for us, for, so we have something to cover and do our jobs as well, you know, selfishly. Well, but, absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, but it's. Uh, Should yeah. Michigan not play a football season this year, it would, it would hit almost half cut almost half of Michigan's athletic department budget. I mean, they the football program takes up so much between ticket sales and concession and parking and, and TV rights distribution deals. It would be a huge hit to major schools like Michigan and Ohio State and, and, and schools that, that depend, their athletic departments depend on, on ticket sales and, and TV distribution rights. I don't think it would be as big of a hit for a smaller school where they're more reliant on money from the university itself. Um, but it, it would be huge. It would be massive for Michigan. It would be, it would, it would probably result in job losses. It would probably, Michigan would probably have to look like you mentioned, Ryan, that look at, you know, cutting other sports to make do, because keep in mind, Michigan's athletic, their athletic department's revenue, they brought in about $198 million in fiscal year 2019. They, they spend almost every dollar that I think they saved maybe a million or $2 million. So yes, yeah, they, 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 they spend it for a reason. I mean, that's the thing, right. you know, if you could have seen something like this coming, then sure. They probably don't because they, there's, I mean, this is not new to unique to Michigan, all no. these schools, it's an arm race to buy these buildings and, and shinier facilities that aren't, ne- aren't really necessary, but you have the money. So you use it. And, and a lot is from donations, you know, at these big schools and, um, you know, that are tied to essentially they exist. These donations exist because, you know, you have a football team that's successful that people want to go and see. So it's all 
That's know, another thing that would take a big, that's going to take a big hit too, most likely is donations from, from these big donors. It's, I mean, they might not have as much income coming in. And if there's no football season to donate to or basketball yeah. season to donate to, it's, they're not going to be as inclined to, to, to do so. So that's another, there's so many factors at play here. And with so much uncertainty, it's, it's, it's scary to think about, to be honest, like it's, it's a, it's a scary thought to think of what's going to happen with, um, with athletics and more than just athletics in the country, but that's, that's why we're here to talk about. Uh, it's, there's some scary times ahead. It, it seems. I, I spoke to an administrator at a group of five athletic athletic department school earlier this week. I'm not going to say which or who, but um, he brought up a couple of good points. He, he said one that, that, that they do believe, and again, this is anecdotal, this is one person, but there is a belief that they could play football, whether it's this fall or, or next spring without fans in the stands, just because they're just, he, he made the point that there are fewer variables that you have to control. You can still take players' temperatures. You, you can't sequester them in, in hotels and things like that. So there's, there's less things you have to worry about, but the same token, and that goes to the argument of, well, should they be playing football if they're not in school? Yeah. But then he also brought up, he brought up an interesting point that very few people, you kind of hinted at Ryan, but few people aren't talking about this point. The, the salaries for coaches. I mean, how so many of these coaches are making so much money, and and and, and you know these schools are paying multi million dollar salaries. Harbaugh is making eight million dollars this year, and you're you're starting to see some coaches take small pay cuts. But I think the arms race. You mentioned arms race, but I think mm-hmm. the the bloated salaries for some of these coaches. I, I think it's gonna it's gonna come to an end here. I don't think you're going to see the massive races, not only for the head coaches, but the assistant coaches. You're starting to see more and more $1 million assistant coaches, and we're creeping towards $2 million assistant coaches. So at some point, the, the money is, is going to dry up, and I think you're start, you're going to see that if, if football isn't played this fall, but even if it is played in some capacity, uh, the, the, the revenue that some of these athletic departments have been bringing in recent years, including University of Michigan, will, will take an absolute you know a hit. Yeah, no, uh, all good points. Uh, and, and Jim Harbaugh was asked whether, well, was he asked whether he thought the season was happening or how he's just approaching this offseason with the uncertainty? I don't, I don't remember exactly how the question was phrased. Yeah, he was, he was asked about whether he thought football would be played this fall. Yeah. All we right. Went on, a, went on a podcast with, I guess, for those of you unaware, or maybe they're, this first time you're hearing about it, he went on a podcast with his childhood friend, Jay Nordlinger. I think it was last Friday, last Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay, Jay is a obviously childhood friend from Ann Arbor. He went to the University of Michigan as well. Um, he's a, he's a uh, senior editor of the National Review magazine. It's a conservative-leaning magazine. Um, Jim went on for about, it was about a 58-minute conversation, near an hour. It was, and it was all-encompassing. It was from him, you know, from him quarterbacking in college in Michigan, you know, the NFL, to coaching. But there was, there was a brief period in there where he was asked about the, about the football season in 2020, and he, he sounded optimistic. Um, you know, at this point, I don't know what else you'd say if you're in Jim's shoes. I mean, you, you hope you're going to play football. He's a football right. guy, but he said, you know, he's hoping and he's going to prepare for a season. Um, you know, he, he's not going to give it one thought that there won't be a season. He kind of compared it to being the backup quarterback. You want to be ready in case there mm-hmm. is, because if you're not ready, then you're, you're, you're not going to perform well. Um, so it was, you know, it was an appropriate response to say, Absolutely. but keep in mind too, Jim is saying that from his home in Ann Arbor and not, not during practice, not preparing for the season either. So it's, it was, you know, the, the comment he had to say, I think, and it was, it's, it's probably being echoed across the country. Not only do they want to play, but I think as we just hit on, they need to play just for, from, from a money standpoint. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he, he brought it up briefly. It was asked, I'd say it was a minute or too long. That was it with regard to the season on the interview. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head with, with saying it was an appropriate response. There'd be no reason to think 
why would you put yourself in the mindset of otherwise? Um, that only sets you up for, for failure if, if this thing happens. So yeah, that's fine to think that he, he never said that I heard, you know, that he, he thought it would one way or the other. He just said they're preparing as if it will, and you'll, you'll deal with it when it's not. Um, yeah. So that, that's the thing. And this was, this was, uh, these were the first comments from Harbaugh since, since when, I mean, we spoke to him, I like, got late January, I think he, mm-hmm. so we obviously got him at the bowl game and then he was presenting at that Mich- the Michigan high school football coaches association, uh, conference in Lansing. I want to say late January, mid to late January. Yeah. So, so public was, was comments. Yeah. Comments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No organized public comments since, since January one after the citrus bowl. Um, so it was the first time he's he's spoken to the media. I, I've I've requested him several times now through Michigan's media relations department. I have been rebuffed. You know, I was told that he wanted to wait until Ward Manuel, Michigan's athletic director, spoke to the media. And Ward still has not. And there is no indication that Ward will be speaking anytime soon either. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, uh, meanwhile, <laughs> Ryan Day's just held a second conference call with reporters uh, this week as well. <laughs> so many. Football coaches across the country have spoken in some form, whether it was a national interview. And it, you got to give our Harbaugh credit. He did. This was an interview. It was you know available for public consumption, so you can hear it. You know he is. He does. He did talk for an hour. It just wasn't with the local beat reporters. Yeah, but he, he did say that he was. He seemed like he sounded like he was in good spirits. He's working from home just like everyone else, doing the virtual thing, is what he said. <laughs> uh, so he's. It sounds like he's becoming more familiarized with Zoom and, and Microsoft uh, Teams or, and uh, FaceTime and all that stuff. I mean, there, there have been reports that he's been communicating quite a bit with recruits over the phone and via FaceTime and things. So he's he's kind of doing it just like everyone else right now. Yeah. No, I mean, he's a guy, I mean, not in his defense, but to explain, I guess, why he's probably not talking is, is because he likes to talk about the football team and the practice and a player and stuff like that. Well, he doesn't like to, but he'll do that. And if there's nothing, if there's nothing in his mind, there's like no news that's happening. I mean, we don't, you know, people aren't going to necessarily care for his views on just the pandemic in general. So, you know, and sure enough, you go on a podcast like this and then somehow you, <laughs> somehow you end up talking about things that have nothing to do with your job, really. Um, but uh, Good segue, huh? <laughs> you know, hey, I, I set it up for you if you want to take it. It's not uh, – I'm, I'm good either way. We will, I will address the elephant in the room because I've been asked about it and wrote about it. Uh, we didn't make a huge deal about it, but you know, during, that, during the course of that 58-minute interview, you know, as I mentioned, it was, it was all-encompassing. Harbaugh went into his you know, time at Michigan, his time in the NFL, his belief in what a, a successful coach looks like. He, he did say that he, he measures a, a coach on his win-loss record. Um, but then the final – A good way to measure. <laughs> yeah, and the final <laughs> couple, couple minutes was uh, – it kind of took a hard right, literally and figuratively, I guess. <laughs> you know, he uh, and it wasn't he wasn't asked about. It was kind of it was kind of odd. He was asked a question about his view on uh, today's youth. Uh, Nordlinger kind of brought up he brought up a conversation he had with uh, Mitch Daniels, former former governor of Indiana, about you know um, you know working with young people because I think he's the president of Purdue now, I believe. Um, but you know, it kind of it segued into that. Harbaugh he asked you know his opinion on, on the youth today, and Harbaugh was very complimentary. He he felt like the, the you know some of the college kids he's dealing with and the college kids that play for him have a, have a greater greater look at life greater look at earth they they appreciate the you know the uh, science nowadays and they appreciate things like that so harbaugh he was, he was confident of the youth and then he went into the com- his comments he wasn't asked about unsolicited about, yeah yeah about abortion you know he, he you know he didn't think it was a coincidence what we're going through right now with the pandemic 
he believed he basically said he said he basically said it was a message from God. He felt like, uh, and then he said, you know, I, I living a faith based life. This is a message. This is something where a time where we grow in our faith and then having a reverence and respect for God. And then he he brought up the whole, the whole abortion thing. You know, we talk about sanctity of life, yet we live in a society that aborts babies. There can't be anything more horrendous. Uh, and those those quotes were blown up on social media. I mean, I I, I purposely didn't put it in the headline because that what well, I told you guys after I published it. You know, it wasn't the crux of writing the story, but I think it it was a good look at his worldview and things. You know, he Harbaugh's a devout Catholic. He he's made no bones about it in the past. But as I said the other day on the radio, he's his political beliefs don't fit into a neat box. I mean, he's 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 he showed up at, at campaign rallies for Hillary Clinton in 2016. He's criticized and complimented President Donald Trump. He's befriended the the Obamas. They were you know invited to be honorary captains. Uh, so it's you know he's he, he doesn't fit into that. He's an independent thing. thinker. I do think that you know you say, yeah, he say what about it. I think he does think for himself uh, for sure. And yes, I agree. His views can sometimes be. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Putting in a box like you, you'd typically uh, associate maybe someone who had, you know, view A, B and C would go together and D, E and F. He might have, you know, A, B and F. He <laughs> yeah. might have, you know, you yeah. don't know, you know, R in there somewhere. He's, he's, you know, yes, always often entertaining, interesting. And uh, yes, it's just another example of him making kind of making a headline when you wouldn't necessarily think he would. Yeah. and then I've, But, but I've, not literally a headline in, in your case, which I'm glad you pointed out. It was. <laughs> Yeah, I, I put in, I put in the story. It was at the very end, obviously, just because it, a it was at the very end of the, end of the interview, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a huge thing in the story. But it, I think it was worthwhile pointing out. He he said it. He put it out there. And and let me make clear here. I mean, Jim Harpaugh is entitled to his opinion. Uh, you know, he's right. he's an individual. He's he's an American. Uh, whether you agree with him or not, different story. Whether he should have said it like he did, I, I don't know. That's up for debate, and that's up for his own, you know. Sure own decision making but uh, i thought it was noteworthy it's been brought up now on radio shows you know nationally and locally it's my my twitter mentions were a mess for about 24 hours and people fighting over his comments and everything else a lot of people took a side a lot of people disagree with him but you know at the end of the day those are jim harbaugh's feelings and comments and opinions and you know you take them or leave them is your hair the longest it's ever been right now aaron Are are you asking me yeah, <laughs> I just uh, looked at your no, hair while you were talking. It seems I don't think no, I've, no. I've ever seen it that long. Not me, yeah, maybe recently, but no. When I was in like middle school, high school, I it was pretty. pretty That's long. why you were silent for a good stretch there. You were lost in Aaron's hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm wearing. That's why I'm wearing my prison yeah. Mike bandana. So you can't. Uh, you can't. No comments for me. And this is um, this is only like five weeks old. I got my hair cut like right before the the shutdown happened. I made sure because I, I I foresaw it coming. It was like in the days where like. The governor was beginning to close non-essential businesses, but hadn't closed all of them. And barber shops were one of the few, I think, that were left open. So I, I remember I ran, I didn't run, but I, I made a point of going. It was, it was like a day or two before she put the shutdown in, and I, I made sure to get my hair cut. I, I FaceTimed with my family yesterday, and they said my Seth Rogen beard looks terrible because I, I wasn't shaving my neck beard at all either until today, and it, was, yeah, it did not look great. And they definitely did not compliment it in any way. I digress. Uh, well, yeah, this digression is actually it's only <laughs> it's only potentially helped uh, the segue because it was really it was going to be really awkward, and now it's only slightly strange that I exactly. say, "Hey, how about those Michigan linebackers?" Um, that's, <laughs> I don't know. That's the position group we're going to be talking about today, as we've done uh, every every week. So, yeah, that's the group where we're gonna we're gonna talk about going to the defensive side of the ball. I don't know. Either one of you can kind of lay it out for us of what. Uh, what we're looking at, you know, who key figures lost, key figures back, 
Um, just mm-hmm. kind of, as I like to say, set the table for the discussion. Well, it's it's an incredibly thin group. Uh, they lost, uh, let's see, Josh Uche, Klee Hudson, um, Jordan Glasgow. So they lost a lot of experience, a lot of mm-hmm. talent. Yeah, but they do have some talented guys coming back. The one guy everyone keeps, he was a talk of, talk of the position group last year and it will probably be their best, will be their best linebacker in 2020, assuming they play, is going to be Cam McGrone. I mean, he really mm-hmm. came on last year as a redshirt freshman. He got better as, as the season went on. Uh, ended up essentially winning the middle linebacker spot. You know, Josh Ross, he, he got the, he got he got playing time because of Josh Ross's injury. But Josh, keep in mind, Josh Ross was healthy the final three, four, five games of the season, could have played. But Michigan made the decision to, to, to keep him out because he played under that four-game threshold um, and, and get that redshirt, the, the redshirt. So McCann McGrone, I think, is obviously the favorite coming into 2020 of being a starter at middle linebacker. I think that's going to push that'll push Josh Ross over to one of the other the other linebacker spots, which is which is fine. I think Ross is capable. Um, there, he had I know he had you know he had high, the, the coaching staff had high hopes for him in 2019. Um, so and he has experience. He's played in quite a few games. So those two together, I think I think they'll be very good. I mean, they got a lot of talent there, a lot of uh, experience, no, a lot some experience there. Mm-hmm. The question is going to be that that third spot, who fills it? I mean, outside of that, there's not much experience at all. Yeah. No, no, yeah, those two, you, you can win with those two for sure. That's a solid, that's a solid group. I mean, McGrone got a headline. It seemed like every week he, and rightfully so he was doing something special out there. Um, you really, you know, saw him progress and you saw the potential there. Um, but yeah, what are, I guess, what are, who are the names, uh, you know, potentially fill that third spot? Yeah. A couple guys are there and it's a couple, couple names that probably fans have heard Michael Barrett. He will be a redshirt sophomore in 2020. You may um, know him from the fake punts. Fake punts. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was involved with both, <laughs> both of them. Um, so he's, yeah, he's he's in line there. Uh, his name has come up for the Viper spots, which is that's that hybrid linebacker safety that Khalid Cutson played. Um, so he he's an option there. Um, he 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 does have some good speed to him, and he he does he does hit well. So I think Michigan likes his his potential, and I think he has a high ceiling in their view. He just hasn't played a ton. And then Anthony Solomon's another guy. Um, he'll be a sophomore this year. Um, he didn't play a ton last year. In fact, I think he was redshirted. Uh, his name has come up for that that Sam linebacker spot that Josh Uche played. Uh, so they like him as well. He he's re- I remember talking to him a couple of years ago at the Under Armour game in Orlando um, when he when he had committed to Michigan. And just his 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 athleticism and his his physique was impressive. He was chiseled to begin with. He's got a good got a good frame, and I think he'll he'll fit that spot well. It's just a matter of whether he's ready to go. Um, and then you got a long, you got four or five guys that either have not played, they're redshirted, or they're they're true freshmen coming in. And I think it's, I'll, I'll hand this over to Zook, but there's there's some some good f- true freshmen coming in here. You got Nakaiho Green, you got Khalil Mullings, Osman Savage, Cornell Wheeler. So those get while those guys are um, inexperienced, they're going to get an opportunity here, whether it's in practice or in games, because you know. God forbid one of these guys goes down, whether it's Cam McGrone or Ross due to injury again. One of these guys is going to have to step up. Right. You, you mentioned the the Viper spot a little bit too, and that's where at this point um, you ha- you had them listed as they're listed as DBs, but Jordan Morant and RJ Moten too, both two guys that are potential um, Viper fits um, moving forward. I mean, as true freshmen, do I see them starting and getting a big role as a true fr- freshman? No. Um, but maybe next season or later in the year, they can kind of work their way um, in that position. But yeah, I mean, a couple guys, two of the guys were ranked in the top 300 in the 2020 class 
overall. Um, but no real headliner linebacker, true freshman coming in. I would say Kalel Mullings is, is the top name um, coming in. Um, but again, you, you never want to rely on a true freshman to, to fill a void um, at, a, at a major, a major position right away. I would not be surprised if, you know, we've seen it in past years where guys are moved positions. And I would not be surprised if Michigan tries to, the, to move a, you know, defensive lineman or a, a safety and put some weight on the safety and, and put them in the linebacker spot and ask them to play there because they're going to need some depth. They're going to need some additional bodies, especially if injury happens in practice. It's an interesting group. It's one that um, I think Don Brown has done a good job of cultivating and getting, bringing guys in and working with them. Because keep in mind, Don Brown's primary linebacker. While he is a defensive coordinator, he works mostly with the linebackers. Um, so he's, you know, he, 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 he prides himself in developing some of the guys. And he has. I mean, look back and you, the, at the improvement Josh Uche showed. He turned Glasgow into a all-Big Ten guy last year. Jordan Glasgow was pretty much all special teams up until last year. So he's, he's done a good job of developing guys at the position. The issue here going into 2020 is just a lack of experience and just depth. So it, you're going you're gonna to need to bring some of these guys along quickly. You know, and, and I think Don Brown can. But not having a spring practice session certainly it certainly is hurting. Um, but we'll see. You know, I would not like I said before. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if some guys, you know, move maybe move from the offense, move from the defensive line, or just move a position because they need more bodies at linebacker. And Joey Velasquez is another name. A, a redshirt freshman uh, was originally committed to Ohio State to play baseball, and then Harbaugh offered him a, a spot on on the football team, allowed him to play baseball um, this spring as well, and he started his fir first game with the Wolverines baseball team um, against Pepperdine before the season got canceled. And I was able to talk with him and he's like, yeah, I'm out here to, to earn a, a position, a, a starting position at the, uh, on the football field as well. And he's another guy that could be a, a Viper type as well. And he's, he, he's got the build of a, of a linebacker. That's for sure. It's you almost looked at him on the baseball field. It's like, wow, is that guy supposed to be here? Just cause he's, he's, he definitely is a, a stocky, strong strong kid that's for sure but uh we'll see we'll see what happens with uh whenever football returns <laughs> right maybe these guys uh, will get another year of development because there won't be a season next year but let's yeah. Yeah. keep in mind too, too i mean michigan had, has had two or three linebackers transfer out this, this season i mean mm -hmm. Devin bill just announced he's going to south florida he would have probably been in the mix for a lot of a lot of playing time this season had he stayed um, Jordan Anthony was an option too. He transferred and he's at Rutgers now. So Michigan has had guys. I mean, it's, it's not the lack of depth isn't from a lack of, of recruiting. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, they, they had some of these guys haven't panned out. Some have opted to transfer. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. It's, it's like, it's a talented group. Cam McGrone is very good. I mean, he could be, some people have compared him to, to the next Devin Bush. I mean, his speed is very good. He's got, he's shown the ability to get to the quarterback last year, which is what Don Brown wants out of his linebackers. They just don't have a ton of bodies there that, that have played a lot. So it's, it's going to be a quick, quick learn for some of these guys, but we'll see. Cam McGrone is really good. He's the one, the one guy I can't wait to watch in 2020. Should they play it? Should they play a season? He, his ceiling is just so high. He's a smart guy too. He's a smart player. Linebacker, you need to, um, but just his 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 explosiveness and his ability to get to the, the quarterback is just impressive. I, mean, I remember watching last year; it was even early in the season when he when he was starting to get playing time early. He was in, in the rotation, but not necessarily starting. Every time you looked, you know, you, you turned your head, there was there was Cam McGrone. So it's he's got high ceiling. He's the coaches have high hopes for him, and he could be, you know, dare I say, it, all American status here in a year or two if he continues on the trajectory he is. Okay, yeah, I believe this was our first position group on the defensive side. 
you know, we will, we will continue to do each one of these groups and you'll, you'll, you know, as you'll discover these things, they kind of, you being the, the listener, uh, you know, we'll see how they, they work in conjunction in tandem with each other. So, you know, some of these names we mentioned, you might hear some of these names, uh, especially, you know, the guys you're talking about for Viper potentially on, you know, playing more in the secondary or, or whatever. And yeah, kind of get a feel for how, how in this case, the defense looks as a whole. We'll definitely recap that once we're done with the position groups. I feel like we're almost out of time here, but uh, let's talk a little bit. I should have mentioned before. We, oh, yeah, oh, go ahead. I was going to mention while we're on football too, that, that, that Michigan uh, did add another uh, commitment in its 2021 class um, on Easter Sunday, another big, big time in-state recruit, uh, four-star center Raheem Anderson from Detroit Cast Tech. Um, ranked as the number three center in the country, number 210 overall. And for uh, with, with three three in-state guys committing to Penn State since the start of April, Michigan needed to make a splash in-state, and, and Raheem Anderson definitely falls uh, in that category, which gives them uh, now three, three four-star offensive linemen in the class um, to, to protect for five-star quarterback J.J. McCarthy. So um, they're just continuing to improve this class, which is ranked 14th overall and six in the big 10. But like I said, a lot right now depends on the uh, quantity of recruits instead of quality in the, in the rankings and, and quality wise missions faring very well to start this 2021 20, class. JJ McCarthy. That's a quarterback name. If I've ever heard it. All right. Yeah. Just basketball's in a weird space right now, because as we record this here on Thursday, late afternoon, Michigan still has not, you know, confirmed, put out its release relative uh, regarding its signing class. Uh, so, you know, there's paperwork involved that sometimes takes a little longer than, than people realize. Just, you know, here's my name. Yup, I'm in. Done deal. Uh, so they're, they're kind of gathering that. They like to do it as a group. Here's everyone instead of, oh, we got this guy's here. Here's, here's a little bit about him. We got this guy's. Here's a little bit about him. So um, I wouldn't expect any surprises from what we discussed on the podcast on Tuesday. I'd go back and listen to that one. Um, if you want more of, of basketball, for sure. That was all basketball. Uh, so I'm not really sure what else we want to say other than I'll, I'll certainly plug my story on Terrence Williams, which I previewed in the last pod. Uh, I know I did because I remember talking about his the guy he calls his uncle, uh, Genuine, um, was discussed. So that story's out. And then his longtime you know, AAU teammate, um, I'll just call them both Michigan commits for now, not Michigan signees. Um, Hunter Dickinson being the other, you know, seven foot two kid with just just a lot of a lot of personality. I don't know. I, I liked hearing a couple of the stories that uh, you know made it into my story, just as far as you know, the kind of represent his um, his confidence and kind of his uh, you know his personality. Uh, maybe a little different than uh, kind of gentle giant, quiet you know quiet tall kid who's a little shy. That's not, that's not Hunter Dickinson at all. And then the other just interesting little piece, which I think we'll get into, I imagine we'll get into maybe a little more in, in a future episode, just because personally, I'd like to just read up on it a little more, but you know, we, we alluded to in the last episode, Isaiah Todd potentially being a, a G league pros- player next season. We, we talked about him being pro. We, we said that that had already happened, but we didn't know if it'd be overseas. We didn't know what, and I'm not saying that, the news is out at this point that it's going to be G League, but we've already seen another top kid in the class uh, go that route. Isaiah Todd could absolutely be next, and I do find it find it fascinating um, this this new avenue for for players. Yeah, I mean, just uh, just reading up on it. I mean, if you have a chance to earn potentially what what I read was uh, around half a million dollars for for a year, and instead of going the college route, I mean, if you're planning on being a one and done kid no matter what, why not kind of 
sign yeah. a pro contract, develop that way, and, and sure. make a few bucks, and then yeah, uh, then a go few, to the pros. yeah, a few. Yeah. I mean, oh, if you're playing on one and done anyways, you're not going to get your degree in a year. So why not? You know, and if you if you if it doesn't pan out, you could go to school and have some money in the bank to to pay for schooling later on if if need be. Is is my my thoughts on it? Yeah. I, I can't blame the kid whatsoever if you're uh, if you think you're you can play at that level um, at that age. Why not? Yeah, I mean, some of these kids are making you know almost a million dollars playing overseas in Europe professionally. You know, you're starting to see more of those guys do that. And I think if the if the G League can kind of cut into that a little bit, maybe not offer uh, as much, but if they come close, you might you might convince some of these kids in the U.S. to stay here and play here. I mean, they're going to be more integrated in the NBA system. They're going to play with obviously these these technically professionals in the G League that are trying to make NBA rosters. None of that, but it helps. I think the NBA, they're gonna, the, the G League hasn't exactly. You know, isn't a coveted off, yeah, yeah, to watch or just to consume. And I think if you get just a handful of these, if if they're able to get a handful of these top prospects come out of high school, it would it would certainly uh, put more eyeballs on the on the G League. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. of top prospects that would have been freshmen this past season in college basketball. Um, one of the one of the Ball brothers being being one of them, um, who are expected to be you know first round picks in now this next NBA draft. I will say. You know, before we we decide that this is like the G League t- uh, taking over, and oh, college is done, and overseas is done for players. You got to remember, this is a unique year with coronavirus. Traveling overseas is, is just not as attractive as it might have been last year, and uh, you know, just just more uncertainty. I'm not saying there's a certainty with the G League. Oh, we're going to have this season, but you know, when in doubt, you know, you stick with the option that requires you to not travel overseas. So I think I think that's absolutely as part of it is that you know. Europe uh, as an option is just is, is not super viable for this year's crop of prospects. And, and I also don't think that it's uh, G League teams are going to start signing all the top high school prospects and filling their rosters with all high school age kids and completely changing the landscape of college basketball. I think college basketball is still going to be all right. The product's still going to be good, but maybe for a couple guys every year, this could be the the right avenue for them, right. but not. I'm not saying every everyone that's a four star, a fringe four star, five star, and above should just sign, go to the G League, and make their money and go to the NBA. Uh, it depends. There's an individual decision for each, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to completely change the landscape at all. Yeah, I mean, I recommend reading uh, Jeremy Wu. I'll call him a friend of the pod. Uh, he's been he's been sourced in, in my stories before as a uh, you know kind of NBA draft expert for SI.com. You know, he kind of tackles some of the pros and cons of doing this and he hit on, you know, some of the things you said, Ryan, but also, you know, the G League can sometimes get a bad rap from from people who don't really know about the quality of play there. But there's still, you know, there's some grown men in that league. They're they're still professionals by definition. Um, they're guy, they're fringe NBA players, as opposed to your average college team, which which is just not. I mean, it's got a you know, two or three potential pros, but yeah. So I guess my point with that, uh, which 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 you know Jeremy said in his story was that there is some risk for the prospects that choose to go that route. You could hurt your stock more than you would have going college. You know, college might be a safer bet to, to look good and still maintain. If you're, if you're viewed as a first round pick coming out of high school and now all of a sudden you go to the G league and you don't have that great success, you know, you could, you could plummet. But again, these are, these are topics more for, for a future, future episode, but just thought it was interesting as it related to Isaiah Todd. But yes, hope you enjoyed this this bonus episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Stay safe.